Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number eight in this series, Mercy and Grace. And we're going to be talking today about prioritizing truth. Now, this series, and, you know, I have an incredibly in-depth series on audio that you can get for people who are wanting to take the deep dive, who are more passionate about using this as a part of developing yourself as a disciple. By the way, I'm getting great feedback and great testimonies and great words of appreciation for the distinction that we're uh, bringing out about the biblical concepts of mercy and grace and and several actually several different uh, key words and getting the biblical definition of these words uh, instead of just trying to make them all synonyms, which that is what we tend to do. You know, I can remember the very day that it happened uh, back in the very early. 70s and then again in the early 80s but uh you know the people of my generation we didn't have many models to build a ministry that was going to influence the world and so the models that had gone before us it's not that there was anything wrong with them it's not that they were bad people it's not that they necessarily used the wrong model they just found what would work for their generation. Now, one of the problems that we seem to have uh, in the church world is that we don't, we don't stay current with the times. Now, I'm not talking about trying to get pop theology. I'm not talking about changing your doctrine or that kind of thing, but I'm talking about changing uh, your communication style and your communication venues, if you will. One of the things that we know is that every person who has had great influence on their generation, one of the things that they did was they discovered the language of the people. How do people communicate? What are the terminologies they use? Let's talk to them in their language. I mean, even the New Testament was written in what's called the Koine Greek, and the Koine basically means common. It wasn't, it wasn't the affluent Greek. It wasn't the you know what the high and mighty educated people per se might uh, read, but it was the it was the, the street language Greek, if you will, the trade language and the way it was used in real business and real practices. Now, so you know, I would think at the very least we would think God's smarter than we are, so maybe we should follow His model and follow the historic model for effectiveness that says I I need to know how people communicate in my world today, and I need to I need to be able to communicate in a way that makes sense to them. The second thing that we also discover is that uh, groups that have been incredibly effective at influencing their own generation, they also discovered where do people meet? Where, and, and, you know, back in the days of, of John Wesley and some of those people, people uh, met in pubs. And uh, so they went into pubs, uh, you know, places that today a real uptight Christian would be like, oh, no, no, we can't go to a pub. But that's where people met. That's where they came together as a community, talked about politics, talked about their beliefs, talked about their life philosophies, 
And so, you know, for us today, uh, and I'm not saying we should restrict ourselves to this venue, but it really is it's hard to influence a, lar the, a large swath of society if you do not have an effective uh, online presence. Now, this will go away before very long for the for the minister of our day. But right now, and for the past several years, this has this has been an incredibly effective venue. And I tell you, when I started, when I first started using internet, I got a lot of criticism from people. And uh, but what happened was, I went from speaking every week to a few hundred people in a local congregation to almost overnight speaking to. Uh, tens of thousands of people around the world. And, and now through Impact Ministries and through all of our online presence, all the things that we do, we may speak to as many as a million people a day. I, we, we don't even have any way of, of keeping up with it, but it's because we made the adjustment. And I'll tell you, I remember when I made the adjustment that I was going to, that I was going to close down my local congregation. I was going to go to an online congregation. I was going to put the School of Ministry online. I'm, I got criticism for it. People thought I was failing. Many, many of my own staff said, so doesn't, do you feel bad about, you know, having to give up, uh, uh, you know, your church and your Bible? Because I said, I'm not giving up anything. I'm expanding. And uh, it, it took a long time for people to believe that, but that is absolute truth. Another thing, by the way, that has always been prevalent with any ministry, any organization or individual that wanted to be uh, relevant and effective at reaching uh, their current uh, people in, you know, in their communities and, and their current society is that you have to have music that is similar to what the people are listening to. You know, many of the great Christian hymns we fail to realize were actually uh, copies of other songs, of secular songs. Uh, again, with, the, you know, referring to the Wesleys, uh, you know, they who started the Methodist Church or, or who actually became the Methodist Church, they they took pub songs, beer drinking songs, and they put them, changes changed the lyrics, and, and it made them readily accessible to people. Here's something you have to understand. Now, I believe in sanctification. I believe in righteousness. I believe in setting ourselves apart. But I also believe that we have to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm not talking about taking on the philosophies of leadership. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about building based on the world system and on all these carnal things that are happening in the world today. But I'm talking about communication, uh, finding people, communicating with people in a way that they'll hear you. Because you see, the more differences there are between you and the people you're trying to reach. Uh, the less the likelihood that you will be effective in reaching them. Because when there are differences, people put up walls. And I learned this from Dr. Cho uh, in Korea back actually in the, in the 70s. He called it the homogeneous factor. He said, he said uh, you know, in their home group ministry, the cell group ministry, he said that they, they didn't put a poor people in cell groups with wealthy people because uh, there were too many gaps. There were too many boundaries that that neither group could cross. And so he tried to keep people uh, or organize people into social groups uh, because the less the the less boundaries, the less walls, the less obstacles that they had, the quicker you could move them into into you know becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know, as as I look at the truth, it's it's kind of interesting. 
and I started noticing this again back in the early 70s. And by the way, let me just say this. I have had to face the incredible challenge. I, you know, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to fit in with the culture uh, per se. I'm not trying to copy anything. But I always want to be relevant. I always want to be effective. If I'm going to put time into something, I, I won't, I, you know, I want to be like a wise farmer or a husbandman, as the King James would call him. I want to plant seed where it's going to produce the greatest crop. And so another thing that I began to realize about the scripture is that, uh, uh, particularly in Jesus' teaching, uh, that there is this thing that I call prioritizing truth. Now, if you preach the truth, and I'm assuming you do, but if you preach the truth and you you do not have a biblically-based systematized way of presenting the truth, then then you're not going to build people on a foundation that keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing, and keeps growing, keeps moving them progressively down a line of thought, actually moving them progressively into the logos, the, the, the logos of God, the logic of God, the wisdom of God. See, remember, renewing the mind is not just learning what to think, it's learning how to think. And so you know, I began to notice in the scripture over and over again where Jesus would say, first, do this. And I'm telling you, there were some things that he told believers to do first. That you, You're not going to hear many pastors in the world that are going to have the guts to, to do that. So there was a, a prioritization of uh, applying truth. You know, for example, he said, he said, if you're, he said, if you're getting ready to give your offering, and you realize that you have alt, and I think in that case, I think in that case, it's uh, uh, it's referring very specifically to owing money to someone. He says, you know, he says, don't take don't take your offering and go use that to pay who you owe. Leave your offering there at the altar, but don't give it yet, and go resolve this debt with this, uh, you know, with whoever it is you owe money to. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just telling you, I, I just, it was a challenge for me to tell people that when I was, when I was a young pastor starting uh, one of my first churches, you know, when I was realizing this. But anyhow, the point is, if, the, if we want to influence the heart, then it's very important that we uh, actually follow the process of, of creating disciples. And uh, uh, and one of the reasons we do not develop strong Christians uh, today, and I hate to use that word Christian, let me just use the word that the Bible uses, disciples. The reason we don't create and develop strong disciples is because we do not follow the biblical pattern nor the biblical priority in the truths that we teach them. You know, man, when I got saved, well, I didn't get saved, nobody led me to the Lord. I was in, I was in a car seeking God myself. But, uh, you know, I saw this over and over and over again, that uh, when a believer would lead somebody to Jesus, they just hand them a Bible, say, okay, start reading the Bible. You know, are you kidding me? That, that would be that would be so incredibly overwhelming that it's no wonder that people just stop reading the Bible really in the first few months after they get saved because it's too complicated. And there is no there is a logical process of thought. Now, in this thing about mercy and grace, and and really just the whole concept of 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 our journey and of prioritizing truth, 
we have to understand that once you become specialized, and so when I started out in the ministry, I looked to the models that went before me. And, you know, there were people like, uh, uh, like uh, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, or Roberts. And of course, you look back to the healing ministry people. And so, you know, I was really building my ministry on that same model, the same model that those guys use. And, uh, and it was working actually back in the uh, early 70s. None of us had big meetings. We, you know, uh, back in those days, if you had a, a couple hundred people, two, three hundred people show up at a hotel room meeting, or sometimes even a hundred people, that was a big meeting in the very early days of the charismatic movement and the word of faith movement. So we all had about the same size of meetings. So I was feeling pretty good about the growth of our ministry. And I'll tell you, I can remember the morning I got up and I was getting ready to do some things that, that I knew I needed to do that day ministry-wise. And I'll tell you, the Lord spoke to me and just said, if you, he said, if you become a specialized ministry, you will never fulfill uh, my calling for you. And, you know, I, I struggled about that. And, you know, I started thinking about the fact that at that time, so many of the ministers that I deeply respected were basically Word of Faith ministries. Ministers. Now, I'm not saying that anything bad about the Word of Faith movement. Now, you know, I talk about the challenges in the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, the Word of Faith movement, uh, the, the people who believe in grace, the people who believe in grace and peace. You know, every movement has has its flaws and and even when we're a part of those movements, we have to be willing to uh, look at and discuss those flaws and help figure out how to not make the mistakes of the same people that went before us. Well, so the predominant message in the Word of Faith movement, which at that time uh, was the most effective and widely influential people in America, of course, was the faith message. And man, Thank God for the faith message. Thank God for how that opened doors to us. But here, here's the problem. The moment you um, once you develop a specialized message, then what happens is you, you, you stop preaching the full counsel of God. Now, I talked about this in the very first messages. And by the way, if you haven't, if you're just getting in this series right now, you, you need to go back and they're, they're they're on our website for free. You can go through every one of the video messages that we have. And, and you know, I started with this thing about the whole counsel of God. And I started talking about how people left out aspects of the gospel because it didn't fit their narrative. It didn't fit their preferences. And, and that's what always happens with specialized ministries. We always end up either adding to or leaving out of the gospel things are that are crucially, crucially important. And so I began to notice a trend among, among you know, and, and let me say this, it wasn't a trend that was so much prevalent among the true pioneers of the message, you know, but I started seeing in the second and third generations and, and below that people who preached the faith message, they really didn't have any concept of the full counsel of God. Every message that they preached had to be about faith. Well, you know something? There's a, faith is involved in every single thing that we do in our relationship with God. But there's a whole lot more in the Bible than faith. And so 
the, the same thing has happened with the grace people. The grace people need to make every word in the Bible to define it as a, a synonym with grace. And so grace, mercy, compassion, kindness, love, all of these things get kind of reduced down to one definition, which means you're, you're leaving uh, millions of dollars of spiritual wealth laying on the table and not actually feeding the people the, the full word of God. And so uh, one of the things that, that happens um, is, that, is that people who begin to move, move heavily, and I'm not against this, but people who begin to move heavily in, in the love of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God have a tendency to start leaving out and avoiding scriptures that have to do with responsibility, with obedience. And, uh, uh, and you know, they have ways that they justify it or that they, that they rationalize it. And, you know, some of those people do it because that's the way they keep their following. You know, this is one of the things I ran into back in the early days of the Word of Faith movement is there were a lot of big name Word of Faith people who read my books on the gospel of peace and grace, the power of change. And they talked about how it had transformed their individual lives, but they weren't going to preach it. And when asked why they weren't going to preach it, they said, you know, I built my ministry on something else. And I've had many pastors and, you know, teachers tell me that if they preached what I preached, they could never finance their ministry because they built their financial base for the ministry around a message that was performance-based. And so I'm not saying that all people do it intentionally, but, but many people do it intentionally, and they justify it by saying, well, this is the message that God's called us to preach. Well, i got news for you. God has not called any of us to specialize in one message. He has called all of us to preach the full counsel of God. And so when you start when you start thinking about priorities in what we're listening to and priorities in what we're reading in the Bible, how we're developing ourselves, one of the distinctions that has to be made is uh, there's a difference between the path and the destination. You know, uh, grace, peace, mercy, uh, really... Uh, really, even righteousness is a part of a process that takes us to uh, a larger goal. You say, well, you know, what is that larger goal? Well, we all know that Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Well, so so Jesus wants us to have life and he wants us to have it abundantly. And so then we start realizing that uh, in John 17, 3, he says, and this is eternal life. That's the word zoe, which gets into the quality of life. It's not about how long life is, it's how good life is. Uh, so he says, and this is the zoe life of God, that they may know you, God, Jesus is talking to the Father, the only true God, and that word know means to experience. They may experience you, and they may experience Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the ultimate goal that God has for our lives is to, is to experience him in a deeply personal and intimate way. And through experiencing him, we then experience all of that 
zoe life of god remember the the word eternal life comes from the greek word zoe and from the best scholarly resources that i can find zoe has to do with the quality of life that is possessed by the one who gives it god wants us in this life at least internally even whether it does or doesn't happen externally he wants us to be experiencing the righteousness peace and joy that comes by the holy spirit and so why then do it, you know, that every movement, you know, the, the Pentecostals and the early charismatics, in their mind, the ultimate goal that God had for you was to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues uh, to such a degree that they begin to minimize and downplay and, and uh, really put down people who had not had that experience and really turned millions of people away from their message. Uh, the Word of Faith, and, and this doesn't mean that everything that they preached was wrong, but the Word of Faith movement, they did the same thing with faith. It's like faith is all that matters, and so every sermon you hear is somehow going to come down to some formula for working faith and how you got to pray harder, confess louder, and you know whatever it is that the preacher would, would be defining as the way to, to work faith. Same way with grace is that everything's got to be about grace, and, and the ultimate goal is grace. Same thing with righteousness. I mean, every, every group tends to huddle around one concept or one idea to the exclusion of everything else that, that God has said. Now, one of the things we have to realize in this continuum of, of determining priorities Number one, God has given us the continuum, and if we will follow that continuum, we will, in fact, grow exponentially uh, at a much more rapid pace than we can doing whatever it is we think is the best, best way to go. Now, one of the things that, that the Scripture points out consistently, uh, even in the Old Testament, and I just get so sick of people talking about how the Old Testament's about fear. Old Testament is about legalism. The Old Testament is about performance. No, it's not. God has never changed. He's always been a faith God. And it was the perversion of what they did with the Word of God. And really, they, they, they interpreted the Word of God based on the paganism and idolatry that they had been in for 400 years in Egypt. And instead of just taking God at his word, they had to twist it to something that they preferred. And this is why the Jews turned everything into legalism. This is why, this is why the Jews abandoned uh, the Torah and uh, actually embraced the Talmud more than they did the Torah and, and really just departed from God. And they, they committed their lives to the thousands of laws and commandments uh, in, in, the, in the Talmud and abandon the essence of everything that, that God told them to do. But one of the things that God presents about, uh, about uh, walking in his word, about observing his laws and commandments uh, for the benefit that they, would, that they would bring, number one, he says, if you do this, uh, it will go well with you and your quality of life. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times just in the book of Deuteronomy alone, God says that he wants you to do something, and he says, I want you to do this so it'll go well with you, so that you will live long in this inheritance that I have given you. Uh, 
and so that you will love God. So having a great life uh, actually goes hand in hand with finding value for God and realizing God is your source, putting him first and falling in love with him. And then, you know, and faith works by love. It, become, it becomes this never ending continuum of growing in love and faith and grace and righteousness and all of it. Well, Proverbs 12, 28, which I quote very, very often, says this. It says, in the way, that's a pathway. And a pathway really refers to a way of life. It doesn't just refer to a strict, narrow doctrinal interpretation, but in the way that you live life. So it says, in the, in the pathway of righteousness is life, and in its pathway, there is no death. Now, our problem is, number one, we, we have misdefined righteousness for centuries, and people don't want the version of righteousness that God presents in his word, and people run from the teaching of righteousness, and they run off to these soft teachings that have no responsibility in them. They have, they have so little of the full counsel of God in them. And so then it doesn't work. People's faith doesn't work because they're not trying to base it on what Jesus said was important. So there is this realm that we can live in and walk in where we experience uh, the righteousness of God. And, and, and when we find that pathway, we're not earning it. We are just walking in a path where it, where all the promises of God not only are available, but we have access to them. And so many people would say, okay, so grace is the most important thing. So if you, if you'll, and if you'll just forget about everything else and just get hold of the grace of God, then you will, you know, all, everything's going to work out for you. That's not really not what the Bible teaches. Romans chapter five says this, therefore, having been justified or having been made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. You know, I will see people make posts all the time that says, you know, uh, 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 grace is your way to peace. No, it's not. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that faith righteousness or being, and see, faith righteousness isn't just a position. Faith righteousness is where you believe that you are made righteous because of what Jesus has done through his death, burial, and resurrection. Then you have peace. And it says, and that peace is, of course, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So if I'm using my faith to believe that I'm righteous in Jesus, I'm not trying to believe for grace. I'm trying to believe that I've been made righteous through Jesus. Then I enter into that realm where grace comes alive in my heart and gives me the power to live in this Zoe of God, to walk in this pathway where it's filled with life and absolutely no death. Listen, I'm out of time, but I'm going to pick up some more of this uh, next week, so be sure and join me. And by the way, if you are interested... And, and getting the audio version of this, be sure and, and uh, check out our website or, or click on, on whatever links are provided for you. And you can jump in that and you can be, you can be uh, dealing with that today. So I'll talk to you some more. And this is good news and you're going to like the way it works. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. 
Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.